Hey, this is Pastor Arm, and I want to thank you for joining me today for the Activation Church podcast. We are here so that people can activate their life in Christ, and I believe this message is going to help you go further than ever before. Check it out. If you have a Bible, we're going to start in 2 Kings, the sixth chapter, which is a portion of scripture we have been in for this entire month, and we're going to start there and close out this series that we've been talking about life. As we close out this series, I want to take time to walk you through a process. I don't want to rush what we're going to talk about today because in order for this to be applied to your life, you need to have an understanding of it. How many of you understand that you need understanding before application? So I don't want to just jump into the meat of what we're going to talk about without laying out a foundation that you can build on. And so we're going to start here in 2 Kings, the sixth chapter, verse 1. The Bible says, Now the sons of the prophets said to Elisha, Elisha is the man of God. He's been chosen by God to speak the word of God to the people of God on God's behalf. Did you catch that? Elisha is not some regular Joe. Elisha has been called and appointed by God to speak his word to his people. Verse 1 and verse 2 of chapter 6 are going to be very important for where we are going today. It says that the sons of the prophets said to Elisha, see the place where we dwell under your charge or under your authority or under your care is too small for us. Let us go to the Jordan, and each of us get there a log, and let us make a place for us to dwell there. And he answered, Go. Then one of them said, Be pleased to go with your servants. And he answered, I will go. Verse 4, So he went with them, and when they came to the Jordan, they cut down trees. But as one was felling a log, his axe head fell into the water, And he cried out, Alas, my master, it was borrowed. Then the man of God said, Where did it fall? Somebody say, Where did it fall? fall? When he showed him the place, he cut off a stick and threw it in there and made the iron float. He brought back what the man had lost. And he said to him, Take it up. So he reached out his hand and he took it. As we've been talking through the series about things coming back to us or God performing a miracle for us or taking hold of the things that have been lost in our life, we have to understand that it is our responsibility to take it up. Many times we are waiting on God to do something that God is waiting on us to do. When we move and when we step out in faith, that's when God responds. Understand this, faith is the currency of heaven. Just like when you go to the store today, if you want to buy some food, you've got to give them some currency, whether it be in the form of a debit card or a credit card or cash. You've got to give them something to receive something from them. That is what faith is for us. Faith is the thing that we extend to take hold of what God has said we could have. Now I want you to go to Jeremiah, the 17th chapter. We're going to read one more short portion of 
the text, and then we'll jump into what we're going to talk about today. Jeremiah 17, 9. The Bible says, blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord, whose trust is the Lord. He is like a tree planted by water that sends out its roots by the stream and does not fear when heat comes, does not fear when the axe head falls off, for its leaves remain green. And it is not anxious in the year of drought, for it does not cease to bear fruit. Did you catch that text? When you trust God, you don't have to fear anything. Even when drought comes, I'm going to prosper. Even when the axe head falls, I'm still going to make it. Turn to the person next to you and say, I'm going to make it. Today, I'm going to talk about the power of hope and why we cannot afford to lose it. The power of hope. Turn to the person next to you and say, there's power in your hope. Hope has the ability to take us from broken pieces to better places. I need you to understand that. Hope has the ability to take you from broken pieces to better places, to a better future that God has prepared for you. How many of you understand God has prepared some things for you? The Bible says, what eye has not seen, what ear has not heard, what has not even entered into your thoughts or your imagination, that much more has God prepared for you. Get that. Prepared, past tense, it's already there. We just have to learn how to tap into it. And part of that tapping in is hope. There's no guarantee that in life things won't fall apart. There's no guarantee that the axe handle won't splinter or the axe head won't fall off. If you've lived life long enough, you can testify to this being a truth. You've gone through some things. But the power of hope says, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I'm not going to fear any evil because God is with me. His rod and his staff, they are comforting me. They are protecting me. He is leading me and guiding me. And so I may walk through the valley, but I'm not going to stay there. I'm not going to camp out there because there's a mountaintop on the other side. And so it may break, but my hope says it's coming back together. It's coming back together. Some of you in here today have had things fall apart, and I'm here to give you the hope you need to bring it back. Because no matter how far away it seems, nothing is impossible to God. And even though it seems lost, it can come back. <laughs> I said this week on Facebook, one of my favorite lines from a Rocky movie is Rocky V where he's getting clobbered by Tommy Gunn. Do y'all remember that scene? It's a street fight. And Rocky in Rocky fashion is taking a whipping. It's a good one. He gets knocked down. He's, his life is flashing before his eyes. And then he stands up as Tommy Gunn is walking away and he says, yo, I didn't hear no bell. And he says, one more round. That's the attitude we have to have because life will knock you down. 
But when it knocks you down, you got to realize, I haven't heard the bell. How do I know? How do I know I haven't heard the bell yet? Because you've still got a pulse in your body. And as long as you've got a pulse, God has a purpose for you. As long as you've got a pulse, God has a future for you. And hope is what takes you into it. Turn to the person next to you and say, hope takes me in. So this month, we've been looking at the story of the broken axe. But today, I want to focus on the man and the miracle. More specifically, I want to look at what did this man do to set himself up to receive the miracle? How many of you know there's a setup? Things don't just happen. If you see someone experiencing the favor of God, it's not because God plays favorites. It's because they've done something to activate the result. I don't have time to teach seed time and harvest today. But when you understand the power of seed time and harvest, there is a seed for every harvest I need. I've just got to learn how to examine the seed. This property that we are meeting on today has so many testimonies around this truth. Before I was even aware that this property existed, we were meeting in a small building in Kennesaw, Georgia, and we knew that we needed to expand because we were growing, but we didn't know where. And there were other churches looking at this property, and the deal fell through for them. They weren't able to make it happen. So when we found out about the property, we started looking into it, and people were saying it will be impossible. There's no way that Activation Church will be able to get this property. And in the natural, that was true. If you looked at all the facts and figures, it wasn't there for us to have this. But what people didn't realize is our church had been sowing the seed we needed to activate the harvest that we desired. See, a year before we even knew about this property, I was in a men's conference in South Florida, and the pastor stood up and showed this building that they were going to purchase for their church so that they could grow. And they were going to purchase this building, they were going to renovate it, and they were going to start meeting there, and so he was asking for an offering. Immediately when he was taking this offering, my thought was, I need a building too. So what did I do? I examined the seed. So I sowed a seed. I went to another meeting. They were doing something called Saving America's Churches. They were buying churches out of foreclosure and trying to revamp them and place leadership in them so that they could grow. And I thought, you know what? I'd like to have a building one day, so I'm going to sow into that. Shortly after, we found this property, and although people said no, God said yes because we had prepared the seed in the ground to receive what we needed. Understand, there's a setup. Turn to the person next to you and say, there is a setup. There is a process that someone walks through before they receive a harvest. Many times we look at the result or we look at the miracle and we see the story in the Bible and that's where we focus and it's great to talk about those things but at some point in time I need to think what did they do to get themselves there? And that's what I want to look at today. I want to look at what was this man doing that positioned him to receive the miracle that he needed when he needed it? And the first thing that came to me as I was looking at this this week is this, he wasn't building on a whim. In other words, 
the decision to move was not a whim. He was working with wisdom. Tell the person next to you, he was working with wisdom. If you've been a part of this church for any amount of time, you've heard me say decisions lead to destinations. What that means is every decision you make, whether large or small, is going to take you somewhere. The reason that's important to understand for where we're going today is because these men who are felling the logs made a decision to move. But that decision to move was not made on a whim. Let me show you what I'm talking about. Let's go back to 2 Kings 6, verse 1. The Bible says, Now the sons of the prophets said to Elisha, See the place where we dwell under your charge is too small for us. So right there we see that these are worshipers of God. One way to look at it would be they were disciples and Elisha was their leader. So the first layer of wisdom that we see working for this man is this. He wasn't following his feelings. You want to know where we mess up a lot of times in life? We follow our feelings. We feel like moving, so we move. We feel like chopping down a tree, so we chop down a tree. We feel like entering this relationship, so we enter that relationship. We feel like purchasing this, so we purchase it. We're motivated by our feelings. Now, hear what I'm saying. I'm not saying we, that we should not be aware of our feelings. We should be aware of our feelings because sometimes the feeling we have is produced by God. He placed that desire inside of us. But I need to know, is this that I am feeling there by God, or is it just there because I want to feel it? Has God actually said, this is where I need to go? Is this actually where God has said that I need to build? Is this the place I need to be? Okay, so the first layer of wisdom is he's not moving on his feelings. He's moving based upon what God has said. The second layer of wisdom is this. They submitted their life to prayer and godly counsel. Now, these layers are going to take us somewhere for where we're going to talk today. Again, I'm trying to take you through a process to show you that there is a setup that gets you to the miracle. The second layer of wisdom, they submitted their life to prayer and godly counsel. Their desire to move and expand was their desire, but before they did it, they consulted Elisha, who's the man of God, which I said he is the person God has appointed to speak his word to the people on his behalf. It's important to understand Elisha wasn't the type of person that just told you what you wanted to hear. If he spoke, he spoke, thus saith the Lord. Which means when he said go, it was actually God directing these men to go. And when Elisha speaks and tells the people what God wants to hear, you've got to understand that not always, you're not always going to be comforted by what God says. Sometimes it will challenge you. Sometimes it will hurt your feelings. Sometimes God will say stay when you want to go. And we have to be careful to not follow our feelings, and we need to be careful not to chase after people who are just telling us what we want to hear. 
we need to find people who will tell us the truth because the truth will lead us to where we need to be, even if it hurts, even if it's uncomfortable. Too many times we get in a bad situation because we're following our feelings, and then we'll add the label, well, God told me. Did he really? If God sounds a lot like you, <laughs> you need to question, was it God in the first place? It'd be like, you know, some of you ladies in, in here looking at me, thinking about how attractive I am right now. <laughs> thinking that that's, that's the man of my dreams, and I heard God tell me, you're the one for me. <laughs> if you heard that, that was not God, that was you. <laughs> I know that because I'm already married. <laughs> or, that's a silly illustration, but do you understand what I'm saying? Sometimes we have a feeling and we say it's God, but it's not God. And the problem is if you move on your feelings, God's not required to bless it. God is only required to bless what he says. He says, I'll honor my word above my name. My word will prosper wherever it is sent. It will not return void, not your feelings. Again, too many of us build our life on our feelings instead of what God is saying. So that's the second layer of wisdom. Here's the third layer of wisdom. They followed the voice of the Lord. So I don't, I'm not just hearing what God says, but I'm actually going to do something with it. How many, faith without works is dead, right? Faith and works are dead. The promise of God is not activated without obedience. So when I hear God speak and I know he has spoken, I've got to move in that direction. God has given us so many amazing tools to use to build a life that will thrive. He's given us wisdom, but we need to use that wisdom in a way that works us in the direction he is taking us. We need to pray. Somebody say, you got to pray. We need to listen to godly counsel. These were all things that these men would have been doing if they were followers of God, which it says they were the sons of, of the prophets. They had devoted their life to the work of God and placed themselves under the authority of Elisha, who is God's man at that time. So they would have prayed. They would have sought godly counsel. We need to consult his written word. Many times, you know, we want to hear God. We need to understand God speaks to us all the time if we'll just open up the book. But beyond our prayer and godly counsel, beyond just opening up the book, the good news is we have the Spirit of God himself living inside of us, and he will lead us and guide us to where we need to be. The Bible says in Proverbs 3, 5 through 6, it says, trust in the Lord with all your heart, lean not to your own understanding, but in all your ways, what? Acknowledge him, and then what does he do? He directs your path. So... These are, these are verses that we memorize, but we don't, really, we don't really understand the gravity of what God is saying here. He's saying, Paul, if you'll trust me, if you'll acknowledge me, I will speak to you and tell you where to go. So once I'm there, I don't have to think, is this the will of God for my life? I know because he has spoken to me, and he will confirm it through his word, and he will confirm it through godly counsel. So I don't have to wonder what God is saying. He will tell me himself. The Bible also says that the steps of a good man are ordered of the Lord. 
So wherever I go, if I am in his will, my steps are ordered of him. So these people, they, they, they've followed godly counsel. They have positioned themselves. And watch what they say in, in 2 Kings 6.2. They say, let us go over to the Jordan. Let us get a log and let us make a place for us to dwell there. And Elisha says, go. This is important. Then one of them said, be pleased to go with your servants. And he said, I will go. So if Elisha is the man of God who speaks the word of God to the people of God on God's behalf, then when he says go, it is the word of God they are moving on. Understand they are not cutting down logs because they desire to. They're cutting down logs because they are directed to. Y'all are missing this this morning. That's why i got to take my time, because I need you to understand this. This is important. They're not chopping logs because they want to. They're chopping logs because they were directed to. Now, if I am directed by the Word of God and I am following His voice, then according to Scripture, I'm going to prosper there. Yeah. Jeremiah, we read it. Even when troubles come, I don't have to fear the trouble because He'll keep me. Why? Because He's called me to be there. That's why the man had the confidence to say, I want the axe head back, and it had to come back because he was where God wanted him to be. And if he's where God wanted him to be, then he's going to prosper there. The axe head has to come back, and if it doesn't, that's because God has something better for him. Are you, are you starting to put this together? See, I can move with confidence and boldness when I know I am exactly where God wants me to be. And I don't have to determine my future based upon my current circumstance. I can look beyond my circumstance through hope and see a better future. Somebody say a better future. I want to show you how faith works. Um, let me see. John, would you hop up here? John, would you hop up here? We've got John and John. You got to take the stairs. <laughs> All right, so John, you stand right here. John, you stand right there. This, we're going to talk about faith. I'm going to show you how faith works. Because many times we misunderstand what faith is. We misunderstand how faith works. And because we don't understand it, then we miss out on what it can do for us. So this, John, is going to be what God has already done. It's in the past. Jesus has died for my sins. Are you seeing that? Everything that God has done or has said is here, is behind me. Everything that God is going to do or has prepared for me that I have not seen yet is in my future. Faith works now. Are you all with me so far? So faith is working right now where I am. But faith has the ability to reach back and take hold of everything that God has already done. Faith has the ability to reach back and take a hold of everything that God has already said. And so if I can place my faith in what God has done, if I can place my faith in what God has said, now my faith can extend over into my future and take hold of what God is going to do for me. 2 Kings 6, God said, go. I'm standing on that word. 
I believe that I am where I am right now because God said go there. I am chopping logs because God said go there. I am here because God is preparing a future for me. The axe head may be in the water. The situation may stink. Things may fall, seem like they're falling apart, but I'm not going to stay there because I've got a word. I've got a promise. I've got something God has already done. And so, so now my faith hops forward, which is called hope. Faith hops forward, which is called hope, because hope is faith in the future for what God has said he would do. So are you seeing this? I'm not here by accident. I'm here by design. If I'm here by design, then he's got a future for me. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. He placed Adam and Eve in the garden. He blessed them and he gave them a mission. I've got a mission. I'm not here on accident. And if I'm not here on accident, then that means I've got a future to step into. Are you following me? It's important. Thank you, guys. I'm trying to show you this the way I saw it. The man can have confidence for the axe head to come back because he's got faith in what God has already done. I've already looked at what God has done and said, and I know I'm exactly where I need to be. And if I'm exactly where I need to be, then I know there's a future. Jeremiah 29.11 says this, For I know the plans I have for you. So let's pretend John is still over here in my past. I know the plans that I have for you. Before God formed you in your mother's womb, he knew you and he had a plan for you. I know the plans that I have for you. They are plans for welfare and not for evil. To give you a hope and a future. Goodness. God's got a plan for my life, and it doesn't stop here. It doesn't stop with a broken axe. There's something better for me. I've got a hope. I've got a future. I'm going to keep on moving. I'm going to keep getting back up. It doesn't matter how many times I get knocked down, I'm going to get back up because that may be the time that I overcome. That may be the time that I break through. Whatever your situation is, stop giving up where you are and understand that God has a plan for your life. He has a hope for your life. He has a future for your life. Reach back to what God has done. Reach back to what God has said. Reach back to the testimony that he's given you of the things he's already done and realize that everything he has done is positioning you to get you somewhere new, somewhere different somewhere better i know the plans that i have for you when i understand faith and i've never seen this before until this week i've always known the value of faith i've always believed that god had something better for me in my future i've always believed that but i never saw until this week when i started studying this text, I never saw the fact that my faith in what he has done can sustain me while I wait for what he's doing. And that perspective is called hope. And hope looks at things differently. See, if I do not have hope, then I will see my situation that I am currently in as a life sentence. I'll be here forever. This is the story of my life. 
But if I have hope, I can say it's not a life sentence. It is a season that I am walking through. And I will walk through this season until I get to the other side. Again, yea, though I walk through the valley, that word through, that word through, that word through, you're going to walk through some stuff, but keep on moving. Stop camping out. Too many times we camp out right in the middle of our misery. We want to talk about it. We want to share about it. (laughs) Not me, man. Not me. I want to keep on moving. I want to keep on moving. So it's not, it's not a life sentence. It's just a season. If I don't have hope, I'll look at something and say, this is as good as it gets. But if I have hope, I can say God's got something better. If I do not have hope, all I will see is problems. All I will see is obstacles. But if I have hope, I can see every obstacle as an opportunity for God to move on my behalf, for God to show up. And so when I wake up, my hope is, God, you're going to show up in this day. You're going to do something for me in this day. Everything that's been taken away from me is coming back. My joy is coming back. My strength is is coming back. My peace is coming back. My marriage is coming back. My relationships are coming back. My financial situation, it is coming back because you've got a purpose for my life to take me into the future. David says it this way, King David. He says, I would have lost heart, which means I would have given up. I would have thrown my hands up in the air when things got difficult. Unless I believed that I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. What's that? That's hope. He's looking beyond his current situation, and he is sending his hope, which is expectation for God to do something in his future. He's looking beyond the circumstance. He's looking forward into the future with hope, with expectation, with faith. Unless I believe that there's something better out there, then I would have given up. But I know that God is with me, and I will experience the goodness of God in the land of the living, and that becomes an anchor to my soul. Hope is an anchor to my soul. Why is that important? Because life will rage. Life is not easy. And when it rages and when the storms come, I need something to anchor me and hold me still. I need something there that gives me the confidence that this is not it for me. It does not end this way. I have a hope and I have a future. That's how David lived. You know, as a little boy, he was anointed to be king. But he doesn't immediately leave that anointing and go into the palace. There's a process he goes through. He goes back to tending the sheep. One day, he hears the challenge of this giant named Goliath. Everybody is scared of Goliath, except for who? David. Why is David not scared of Goliath? Because he's got a hope. And a future. God's already said, I'm going to be king of Israel, so I can't die in the battle line. (laughs) I can't die here because there's a future waiting for me. When Saul rose up and tried to kill David, 
David can live in confidence. Why? Because I've got a future ahead of me. It's the anchor to my soul. Again, life will try to beat you up. Life will try to beat you down. But if you've got a hope and a future, you've got something to hold on to, knowing that it is going to get better. It is going to work out. It may not work out the way I want it to, but it'll work out the way it needs to. That's a completely different conversation there. You know, when we talk about God's working all things together for our good, sometimes we need to understand that my definition of good is different than God's definition of good. Sometimes my tragedy is my good. We don't like to hear that. We want sunshine, butterflies, and and unicorns in church. But if we can see through God's perspective, we can see that everything that I'm walking through, even the painful stuff, is working to my good. Go back to the Apostle Paul. He, he talks about this, this thorn that he has in his flesh. We don't know what it is, but it's some kind of affliction. And I'm, I'm kind of thankful that it, it doesn't give us the detail of what it is because we can all see our thorn there in the story. And he says, I prayed three times that God would remove it from me. But he didn't. Paul had faith, y'all. But God didn't move it. God tells him, he says, my grace is sufficient for you. But he, but he says something key in there. He says, Paul says, that thorn was given to me to keep me from being conceited. So we would see the thorn as bad, but God would say the thorn is necessary. Because without that thorn, you're going to get way off track. We have to understand that God is good all the time. And no matter what I'm going through, if I will trust him, I will be blessed in that season. But I've got to trust him and lean not to my own understanding. That's another part of the scripture we miss. Trust in the Lord always. We like that. When it gets to the lean not to your own understanding, that means you're going to go through some stuff that you don't understand, and you've got to trust him anyway. Knowing that he will direct your path. So hope anchors me, but hope also gives me endurance. Turn to the person next to you say, it gives you endurance. Helps you stand. Hope is powerful, y'all. You can lose a lot of things in this life, but you can never lose your hope. You can never lose your hope. Even in the face of death, you cannot lose hope. Paul talks about we as believers, we do not grieve as those that do not have hope. Why? Because beyond this life, there's a better thing for me out there. I've always got a hope. I've always got a hope, and I can never lose it. I can never lose hold of the fact that God has something better for me. Could be here, could be there. I don't know, but I'm going to trust him through it. You can't lose hold of your hope because if you lose your hope, you'll render your faith useless. Hebrews 11.1. It's a scripture that most of us are familiar with if you've grown up in church. It says, now faith is the substance of things what? Hoped for the evidence of things not seen. 
Faith is the substance of things hoped for. It means it's out here. The Bible says if you can see it, then it's not hope. You don't need hope for what you see. I need hope for the things that are unseen. I need hope for the things that have been prepared. So faith and hope are working together. Hope is giving my faith something in the future to attach itself to. Now faith. My faith is working right now for the things I am hoping for. What am I hoping for? I'm hoping for wholeness. Why? Because by his stripes, I have been made whole. My faith can reach back there and say, God's desire for me is to be mentally whole, physically whole, emotionally whole, financially whole. I'm going to be whole in every area. I'm reaching back, and I've got a future. doesn't matter what I go through. My circumstance is not going to determine my outcome. Your circumstance cannot determine your outcome. Some of you in here right now, your, your axe head is in the water. It looks impossible. It feels impossible. But if you can trust God in the midst of this thing, if you will do what you know to do, if you will seek godly counsel, if you will stay in his word, if you will follow his voice and allow the spirit of God to lead you and change you and transform you and to put some fruit on you, then things can change in your life. There can be a turnaround for you. And that's my prayer today for those in this room, for those watching online, is that today would be a day of turnaround. You may not see it all at once. Some of you may. But some of you, it's, it's, it's going to be a process where God is going to start to change some things. He's going to start to chip away at some things. Some of you are walking through what you're walking through, this painful thing that you're walking through. It's not there to destroy you. It's there to chisel you. It's there to shape you, to change you into the person that God is calling you to be. And when you get through this thing, you're going to be stronger than you were before. You're going to have more wisdom than you had before. That's why we can sing things like, great is thy faithfulness, because I've looked back enough to see how good God has been to me. I didn't see it in the moment, but now that I'm standing on the other side of the valley, I can see that he was with me the entire time. And everything that he was doing, he was doing it to get me where I am right now so that he can continue to move me forward.